What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Birdie Num Num podcast. I am having a good week. I hope you all are having a good week. And this week on the podcast, I have asked you guys on the Instagram, on the Twitter, um, if you had questions about the journey of a stand-up comedian. And so, as we know, by looking at Google Trends and other tools on the internet and just common sense, stand-up comedy has been booming here in India. It's been beautiful. It's been lovely. I've had up and down success with videos and random things over the years, but I have learned a lot. Number one, people in Bihar do not like an American accent doing comedy, but I digress already. Now, the point of this podcast today, if you are watching it on video, hello, um, I do apologize if I am slightly out of focus. I am still trying to figure out these DSLR autofocus settings. Um, but today we're going to talk about stand-up comedy, your questions about a stand-up comedy career. And I do apologize if some of you have still sent me some questions. I did get about 45 questions. We're going to try to cover as much as we can today in about 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. And I'm not really going to do too much editing on this. So I'm just going to record it and toss it up. Unlike comedy, which should be edited, refined, and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So you guys ready? Comedian friends, hopefuls, people who want to get better at public speaking, basically anybody who has an interest in the Indian stand-up comedy world. So before I begin, I should let you guys know, um, hold on, is the audio working? Yes, yes, testing, testing one, two, yeah. Now before I begin, I should let you guys know, stand-up comedy in this country, in India, and amongst Indians and Asians and Desis and whatever across the world is booming. okay? Um, when I started here in 2010... Uh, I had been doing comedy for about a year, and, you know, there was a handful of us, some of the names you guys may well know now all across the country, as well as some people who drifted off, and then obviously there's a lot of superstars now coming out in the last year or two, or three or four. Now, everybody has a different journey, everybody has different styles and um, voices and all that stuff, which I'll explain, but I'm going to get straight to your questions, but just know... It's okay if some of this stuff relates to you. It's okay if some of the stuff doesn't. It's okay if you don't understand what I'm saying and you want me to clarify in the comments. Uh, just drop those in here on the YouTube channel where I follow it the most. So let's do it. Let's get started. Question number one. All right. I am not sure if I just want to make content or do stand-up. How to decide between the two? Mm, I think you've pretty much decided for yourself, bro, because... Uh, you know, there are a lot of good YouTubers out there. In fact, you know, uh, Nick, be unique, be, be unique. I just discovered that a, uh, a few weeks ago, that that was the whole channel name and how dumb am I? Now, here's a guy. He used to come to our comedy shows. I remember he specifically came to one of my stand-up shows at Canvas in 2014, 2015, maybe 2016. I don't even know. But, you know, he's clearly not a stand-up comedian, but he enjoys making sketches and making content. And I think a lot of people, they try to just try to do stand-up comedy because they think that's a doorway to popularity and adulation on YouTube. I would actually argue now that Indian YouTube has matured. You're probably having a better shot at focusing on uh, clever sketches and, you know, Instagram sort of short videos uh, if that's what you want to do as opposed to stand-up because the stand-up market is very crowded right now. 
I mean, not really that crowd in this country. There's still a ton of cities where you can really make a name for yourself. Um, but it's not what it was four or five years ago. And it's not going to be five years from now what it is today. Long story short, uh, it's a lot harder to get your Facebook videos, your um, YouTube videos to be seen by sketches unless you have a following. But it's not impossible if you do your research. And if you enjoy that more, um, if you enjoy uh, creating and shooting and filming and editing and using proper audio and all that stuff, um, then go for it. I think stand-up, you know, for your first few years, you're going to go 5, 10, 15 people in the audience at a time, whereas with YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, um, if a video doesn't do well on Facebook, you can try it on YouTube. And you can, even if you bomb a video at 1,000 views or 200 views, that's way more than you were going to do on stand-up. And I wrote a post about this, which is the reason I'm doing this video now, even after the post was read by so many of you, uh, which is basically like there are people who are recording stand-up comedy videos in this country in front of a green screen. I have a green screen right there back in that room, and they are doing very well, man. It's a different market. It's a different audience. But if you're not sure if you want to do content or stand-up, if you started today, I would suggest, number one, you could do both. But number two, if you are decent at content, if you know editing and filming and you can um, refine and reiterate and your friends are genuinely saying it's funny and strangers are chancing upon your YouTube videos like they have now for a lot of the big YouTubers here in India, then it's going to be much easier for you to do stand-up if and when you decide you still want to do it, as opposed to doing stand-up and going through that grind for a year or two and then realizing you got to do podcast video and then having, you know, your back against the wall when those platforms are a lot harder now to reach a big audience for. So um, I think, to be honest, if you have the time, and most of us do, I would say do both. But if you're just looking to be funny in front of anybody and you don't care if you're doing stand-up or you're doing like a sort of sketch video, then I would say play around with sketches uh, because you're going to see probably a quicker uh, return on your investment that's going to motivate you more. And if you do well, you will climb stand-up a lot faster because people will want to give you shows so they can get audience uh, to those shows. Uh, speaking of audience, number two, question number two. And my goodness, we are already at six minutes on one, so I'm going to try to make this faster. Question number two, uh, how do you find your audience? Um, you don't find your audience, bro. Uh, your audience finds you. And by that, I mean a lot of people, you know, you're not going to see a 16-year-old talking about marriage is such bullshit. I can't believe it. And I don't think a bunch of uncles are going to want to hear the 16-year-old talk about how marriage is crap and the institution of marriage and all that stuff. So um, for most comedians, it's basically you're just throwing stuff at the wall and eventually you're seeing who responds. So <clears throat> let's take a silly example. Let's say you've been doing it for a year or two. And, you know, you have a good 10, 15, 20 minutes and people are laughing, but you notice a good chunk of the people who message you or who ask you when your next show is or are or when your next show is are young guys under 25 who are generally single and, you know, looking for the same stuff, Tinder, going out, getting drunk, um, as opposed to another comedian, maybe all of his or her uh, fans are women or stoners or uh, you know, Amit Tandon, who's been on my other podcast, uh, you know, uh, all of his uh, fans are more or less, uh, you know, above 35, 40 year olds who are going to want to hear about kids. I will laugh at that stuff if I'm at that show and I'm not too far from those ages, but um, I will laugh at that stuff for sure. But 
you know, I probably won't want to be a super, super fan unless I'm in that space because, you know, you could do one show or one routine about uh, dating and Tinder and kids. You could do another one about working in IT and that sort of stuff. Um, and once you start to see who responds and those areas will crisscross, but do not try to be something you're not or try to run after an audience uh, that you're not. By that, I mean, if you are 16 and you're trying to write a show catering to people above 50, it's going to be very difficult. So talk about stuff you know, talk about stuff you're going through, talk about stuff you're interested in. Um, and that's how you kind of find your audience because you see who responds and then you iterate through that. You could be a very broad comedian who is playing to everybody, but it's going to be harder for you to go deeper and deeper. Um, but to be honest, a lot of comedians don't find their audience. They just do a bunch of jokes and then see whoever comes. But as it gets more crowded and there's and, and as there are more comedians, you're going to need to specialize uh, because it's a lot better and a lot easier to get like... 50% of 100,000 people, sorry, it's a lot easier to get 100% of like 1% of the country than to get, you know, 100% of 100% of the country. So, um, or even to get 50% of 100% of the country, if that made sense. So like I do a lot of techie stuff, IT stuff. Um, that's the stuff I know. That's the stuff I lived for 10 years. And I would much rather specialize in that area than trying to talk about Indian politics. I do not care about that as much. Nobody wants to hear this accent. Talk about that. But on the flip side, if you look at Kamra, for example, he is doing all politics, but I'm sure he would probably have things he cares about, like dating or family. But if you do that in your show, uh, a lot of the people are, I mean, they'll probably go with it if the joke is funny enough, but it's not going to be part of your core theme of the show. So you can pull it off, but I would ideally say start somewhere and then kind of uh, move on from there. I mean, kind of like be known for something, you know what I mean? Now, pop, 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 pop. Okay, and number three. I'm sweating, you guys, and man, it is getting dark in here already. Wow. Okay, how to be, <laughs> how to be yourself on stage. Okay, wow. That is a question we all think about, and the straight, direct answer is get on stage over a hundred times, um, because that is literally all I can tell you at this point. It's very hard to be totally comfortable up there. Some of us are very comfortable up there. Some of us take years to get comfortable up there. Um, there was a, I did a podcast with uh, Rajiv Satyal, who is a big NRI comic. A lot of you, <laughs> I put a picture of him up. Uh, I, put, I put a picture of him up on my Instagram and I and I, uh, I posted, can you guys guess who this is? And like everybody was like freaking Robin, <laughs> Robin Sharma. <laughs> The guys, I mean, he's, anyways, whatever. So I put a picture of him. I put a picture of Sean Butt, who's like, you know, been on my podcast as well. And he's a big psychiatrist in the country. And I put a picture of Rajiv. But Rajiv was a fa is a famous dude in the U.S. in the ABCD comedy scene. He had a video called I'm Indian that all those Bollywood celebs tweeted and stuff. But he was on the podcast and he said something that I'll never forget. And it was... I'm I'm an NRI impersonating another NRI's accent, but he was like, you can tell, man, the way that like from the second somebody grabs the microphone, if they're comfortable and, and you guys know what I mean, right? Like when you see like the guy kind of like, oh, hi, hi guys, myself, Jignesh and uh, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, this guy, you know, hi, self, my, my <laughs> hi guys, myself, Jignesh and uh, people say I look like a lesbian love child of my, like. Okay, bro, we don't, <laughs> okay, you're nervous, man. So, 
Um, it's so weird, but long story short, the, the more you get on stage, the more those kind of fears sort of melt away. Yeah, as my camera cracks out on me, and I know my wife is in the back room in that door right there, probably listening somewhere. Oh, no, that's the front door, sorry, but the other door. But um, So you get on stage 100 times, and if you still don't know how to be yourself up there after 100 times, then I would say, uh, you know, start, <clears throat> I don't know, like, uh, I mean, maybe do more public speaking or do other things. If you, if you get this weird crippling sense of anxiety, I think after, you'll always be nervous, but I think by a hundred times, most of that stage fright should sort of calm down, but you'll just have the kind of like excitement and uh, jitters. But this, But the caveat is, as you go from performing to 50 people to maybe one day you get a chance to perform for 500 or 1,000, all that shit comes over again. So let me change this. Perform 100 times at open mics and then probably perform about 60, 70 times at big you know, bar shows for like 50 to 200 people. And then when you start doing theaters, you'll kind of start all over again. But I think after about 20 to 40 theater shows, you'll kind of have it where You'll still get a little bit nervous, but you'll be comfortable in your true essence up there. Um, hmm. Okay. How to find your voice? Uh, use Google Maps, <laughs> I think, because most comedians uh, do not uh, have their voice. I still, I personally, I'm 10 years in. I personally don't think I have my voice yet. I know it takes 10 years to get your voice, which I'm hoping I'm uh, going to find it pretty soon. Um, but I think most comedians don't and the, the few who like may, I would even argue most comedians in this country still have not found their true voice yet. I mean, a lot of them know what they want to talk about, but in, in terms of their comedic persona, um, they're very few. And, and the tough thing about having a voice is you got to defend it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Sandeep Rao, who's a good friend of mine can be very abrasive on stage, but that's how he is. He's a sweet guy, a great human being, but cracks some really dirty jokes that does not go well for a lot of people. Off stage, gem of a person. Now, the uh, the issue with that is I'll always tell him, like, dude, why did you need to curse in that joke? Like, those aunties got awkward, then the next person had a tough time. Um, but if you're unapologetic, you know, that's part of having a voice as well. You got to stick to it. Now, there are some people who have characters. Uh, Amir Pirin, some of you guys may or may not know him, but he's from Bangalore. He does this kind of like Borat-y, like I want to uh, make a love to the woman, like that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of comedians have these sorts of characters. Uh, worldwide, obviously, if you look at somebody like Jesselnik, he has a very strong voice. Um, and, and these are voices that are very kind of tangible that you can pinpoint like, wow, that's his style. Bill Burr's voice obviously is very angry, ranty, but honest. And just when you think you kind of have it figured out, he flips it on you and tells you that he does yoga or drives a Prius or whatever. So I think most comedians, uh, they do not find their proper voice yet. I'm sure there are a few in this country who are getting close um, but I, I, I wish I had a good answer for you, bro. But all I can say is, um, as you're searching for your voice, whether or not you ever find it is just try to be the most accurate representation of yourself that you are off stage on stage. So what I mean is like, basically when you're on stage, you're an elevated version of yourself, but don't try to be something you're not completely. And I don't mean the, like the 16 year old talking about marriage and divorce. I mean the, 
um, 16 year old who's probably, you know, nervous and timid. I mean, why else are you doing stand up? We're all in this for validation, right? But then comes on stage acting like a badass. Like, I don't need your approval. The freaking country's like, whatever. Like, no, just try to be an authentic version of yourself. And you will assume that the beauty of stand up is most people, as weird as we are, as slacker as we are, as grungy as some of us can be, as angry and anxious as some of us are, there's enough of you out there that are going to relate to it. So, um, I did another episode of this podcast where I said the hardest thing in life is to be yourself because everybody's trying to be everybody else. But if you're yourself, <clears throat> I mean, that's the tricky part, right? So, um, how do you find your voice? I don't have a good answer for you, but all I can tell you is if you're staying true to what, how you are off stage and, and being a better version of that on stage, I think you're probably going to get there. Otherwise, if you're just doing a character, I mean, you know, go act in a movie or make a sketch out of that. Like, I don't, like, I don't think Borat is Sasha Baron Cohen's voice, but I'm sure there's some of it of his personality and his alter ego and the stuff he really thinks that he can't say, which is why you channel that stuff through a character. But I could be wrong, but I, I wish I had a better answer for you. But all I can say is try to be a better version of yourself up there. All right. Uh, Mumbai open mic scene has become so stagnant, pricey, prissy is how he spelled it, pricey, and I'm being pricey with the correction of the spelling, and overcrowded that now it's really hard to get a, <laughs> now it's really hard to get a paid spot if you're not known. Should I just give up? Um, bro, if you're, uh, I think I responded to you when I saw your question and I said, you're not going to like what I have to say now. If you're thinking about money, even four or five years into doing comedy, you need to stop now. I mean, this is, uh, this is so Indian, dude, to be like, how much will I get paid? Um, you like, I, I know it sounds weird, dude, but nobody owes you anything. You know what I mean? You have come to a scene that was already established um, to people who are already running bars, getting audience. All of them have paid their dues. All of them have done this for years without earning a penny or a rupee or whatever, um, chasing down payments on the times they were promised to get paid and then not getting their 1K, 5K, 10K for years. Um, nobody owes you anything. And every time comics ask me this in person, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to you. Just like get out of here because the money will come. But there's no like leaving Infosys for Accenture for 20% more sort of vibe would stand up. Like, no, you, most comedians make really nothing or very little, just enough to afford their rent and some expenses and then they exponentially, you know, like jump up once they cross that level. And some, for some of them, that day never comes. For many of them, that day was there and now it dips down. For some of us, like me, it goes like this pretty much, right? So, um, I mean, if I was doing theaters today, I would not be making this podcast. Maybe I would be for you guys because I love talking to you all. But I think like basically the... Uh, you can't think about money, dude. Like you really can't. And again, you're one guy with a mic and you're being, you're being given a chance to talk to strangers. And man, I've gotten so good over the years at like sniffing this out. Like when comedians are, I'm just like nervous that I'm, like this thing is going to stop recording. I like when we had this dude who used to come to this open mic at Urban Solace, like this skinny dude, like Louis Vuitton, like you could just tell. He was just in it to hear the sound of his own voice. And after the like fourth show, and we just kept giving him stage time because I don't know, he was showing up. And at that time we didn't have too many comedians, so I could always fit him in. 
And one day at this Urban Souls place, I got like 40 audience members, which was huge in like 2012, 2013, 45 people on a Wednesday. And it was probably raining outside. And, you know, great. I'm taking photos. I'm running around the room. I'm posting them to the page. I'm like active. Um, and I had a full-time job at Accenture, right? I'd come from Whitefield, whatever. I'm so cool. Um, and then I look at this dude's, like I took a picture of this guy, put it up on the page just to be nice. It was a nice shot. People were smiling. He was holding the mic. And like, you know, he just posts like, sometimes you just get a crowd that just goes with you and makes everything all right. And I was like, you've been on stage three times, you piece of shit. Like, why are you acting like you've been doing this forever and you're all about the arts? Like, had we not put in the work, you would never have gotten up there. And then even had we, we still let you go up, right? So, and that same guy came the next week, we had two people again, and he was never to be seen ever again. And then that, uh, okay, never mind. I'm not going to go there. But the point being is if you're thinking about money, if you're thinking about anybody owing you something, no, okay? And if it's too hard to get stage time, which is, uh, you know, you're saying the open mic scene has become stagnant and pricey and it's hard to get a paid spot. That's not becoming stagnant and pricey. That's becoming a stand-up comedy scene, okay? The scene that you started in was probably, you know, Un, uh, unabashedly, no, we were very lucky that audience members were coming and people were getting paid earlier. Now you have to work hard for the cream to rise to the top, but that's how the comedy scene has been for years across the world, okay? So there, the, that's the good news for some, bad news for you, but the good news for you is, as I always say, dude, if you're not getting good shows, um, again, who owes you good shows? You know what I mean? Go make a good show. Um, I write, I've written about this on the blog for years, okay, that, um, like, it's so easy, dude. It's so easy to spend a couple thousand rupees every week and organize a good show if you are creative about what you're doing, okay? If you find a venue that nobody knows about, and there's a ton, or you find an area in town, you know, if you're in Bombay and all this shit is happening in Bandra, do it in Andheri somewhere, or Sakinaka, which I think is Andheri as well, or Pawai, Pawai, I don't know how you pronounce it, or Gore, Gore, wherever, Korengam Park, I don't know. This is my Bombay lingo. Anyway, so, or if you're in Bangalore, you know, we, we stick in Indunagar so much, do it in Kormangla or North Bangalore or Electronic City. Like, it's so easy. People are bored and they're drinking and they're listening to the same garbage music. And I kid you not, it, like, it takes weeks. All you got to do, make a Facebook page, put up photos. Facebook is not going to share your post on anybody anymore, so you got to pay a little bit. Um, but to get 100 people to a bar of decent comedians who will perform for free because you did the legwork to get 100 people, that's your fastest way to grow, you know, and, like, so many people don't do it. I mean, look at Puneet, uh, Puneet Pandya, Panya. I, I know we were speaking, bro, if you're watching this. Uh, so, uh, like, it's it's not hard. So, point being, your question, open mic scene has become stagnant, Mumbai, pricey and overcrowded. It's really hard to get a paid spot if you're not known. Should I just give up? If you're expecting money, you should give up. If you're, if you're expecting money anytime soon, especially, for sure give up. But if you can do this and put in the work and don't mind investing because this is a hobby, and just like if you go skiing or snowboarding or surfing, it's going to cost you money to rent a snowboard or a surfboard, uh, you got to look at that expense of 1K, 5K a month, and you just got to get return on your investment. 
I know a lot of guys who are horrible comedians, but run great rooms, and I will happily do their gigs because they're putting in the work, and some of them even steal jokes, and I'm like, we've said it a thousand times, but I'm like, hey man, you do your shit, I'm gonna do mine, but please try not to do that. Um, but there's all sorts of shady producers and people, but you know what, why they're still around, they run great rooms and so many comics. I don't know why they act so busy that, 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 that they cannot run a good room. You easily can. All right. Wow. This is, I'm not used to this lighting. You guys, this is really weird. Okay. Um, so we covered those few now. Let's see. I'm going to try to go a little bit faster, but you know me, you guys, I get a little, I get a little excited. Okay. Um, how many open mics, sorry, how many open mics should I attend? I gave stand-up a shot after trying for six months, but then I gave up because I couldn't attend them regularly. Uh, I would say in your first year, because it'll take time to kind of get that, uh, you know, get going. I would say in your first year, you should probably try to attend three to four a week. Um, what I mean by that is at least every other day. Otherwise, once or twice a week is really not going to do anything for you. I mean, some people are gifted. Maybe one out of a hundred are gifted enough that they can do stand-up 10 times and then get to a, a very good spot. Uh, there's a guy I know in Hong Kong, a Ben Ben Quinlan, um, works at like CNBC or, one, or does CNBC. <laughs> I love that, by the way. That's his credit. Like, forget Comedy Central. You've seen me on CNBC giving stock advice or market advice. But he is a, a dude in Hong Kong who's very funny. It doesn't seem like he goes to mics that often, but he's getting a lot of shows because I think naturally either he has the same hour he's been doing for years or he's just a really good public speaker and can really just crank out material and everybody has their own ways. But um, I think your first uh, few years, uh, you have to basically go to open mics about... Yeah, I mean, a good rule of thumb would be three to four times a week. And then when you're in, when you're really working on your 30 minutes to an hour for your like after five, six years in, um, you should be going seven days a week, man. Like there's no, especially if you're single and you're under 30, there is no excuse. Uh, so yeah, I would say uh, for your first year or two, you need to be going three, four times a week. Otherwise, if you're not, here's the problem. There's going to be people who are showing up five, six times a week. I know, man, it kind of sucks. Like you've got a family or you've got a job that you're juggling as well. And this rich stoner kid is just doing fine and he can show up eight days a week. But you know how you beat that guy or girl? Um, you spend time in your Uber or, you know, at work when you're bored at work in a conference room. I mean, there's a, there's a fighter jet going by. I don't think he can do it. But um, but you basically spend time hustling that I used to rent a con conference room at work, close the blinds, and then write my jokes on a whiteboard. And that's how I would practice. And it was great because I was like, I have this huge whiteboard and I would just try to go through my set list in my head. And every time I would forget, I would turn around and then I would basically start over until I knew all 10 points. And by the time I got to the open mic, even though I had a crazy job, I was not looking at my notes. I was way more productive than the kid who had all day to work at that open mic and then still took out his notepad. So it's actually a blessing uh, when you try to manage your time because you actually write way more when you're busy than when you have all the time in the world. I know it's counterintuitive, but it's 100% true. Okay, uh, where are we? All right. Um, how, how do you deal? <laughs> how do you deal? with the times where you feel 
that you aren't funny enough or when all the open mics are bombing? And does it mean that you're actually not funny? Complete. No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, not at all, man. Um, I'm not saying you are funny. Maybe you're not funny right now. Uh, maybe you are a bad comedian right now. Maybe you're a great comedian. Uh, but, you know, I think the litmus test is if you've been doing this for six months or a year, watch a cell phone recording of you when you were doing it the first time and watch a cell phone recording of you uh, a year in or six months in and notice how you're pacing back and forth. Notice where your hand is on the microphone. Notice how you're making eye contact uh, with people. Okay, so... Um, how do you deal with the times where you feel that you aren't funny enough? Oh, bro, you have no idea how brutal some of these YouTube comments are, my friend. They whew, they are rough, okay? And here's the thing about YouTube comments, and I think I was talking to Kubra about this, uh, is that it's kind of like a hair in your spaghetti or in your biryani or in your roti sabji. Um, even if you had a great meal, and the best item, the best rajma, the best lasagna, the best pizza, that one hair ruins the last 30 minutes of your meal. So um, Daniel came in, anybody remembering self? Uh, now that's a book reference. Uh, how do you deal with the times where you feel that you aren't funny enough? I think in this career, okay, mm, you need to literally not have an ego. And a lot, of com a lot of comedians do, a lot of successful comedians do, um, and I'm not saying they're bad people, I'm not saying they're not funny, some of them are hilarious, okay? Uh, but the more you have an ego and the more you refuse to accept, like, accept a learning that uh, other people have different tastes. You know what I mean? Some people like cherry pie. Some people like apple pie. You might have mango pie. If there's a thing called mango pie, I don't know. Um, raspberry pie. Um, <laughs> Ruby on rails. Uh, so every comedian literally deals with this, okay? There are comedians all across the world who have Netflix shows and Amazon shows and tomorrow are going to get way more, even me, especially me, what am I saying? Not even me, especially me, but are going to then have some kid who's one year in or two years in get a million views or 10 million views. And across the board, there are action stars who are 22 who are going to be way more famous than Will Smith tomorrow. And there's going to be a Bollywood girl who's the next hot chick or the next big dancer or whatever. And then she's going to be way more popular than, uh, I don't know, Katrina, Karina, whoever, like all these people. So, um, you really cannot uh, have an ego, number one. But I think to direct your to answer your question directly, um, how do you feel? How do you deal with the times that you feel you aren't funny enough? I have gone for years, years thinking I have zero jokes, and I have gone for months at a time where nothing is clicking, and jokes that were working last year are not working anymore this year, and uh, things that were not working years ago are now working this year. So. Um, and on the flip side, you know, there was a lot of jokes I was doing in America when I when I was starting there in 09 uh, that were not working. And then when I came to India, they started working. And maybe I was more confident in front of the audience. Maybe it was just a different sense of humor. Maybe because comedy was newer here, people are laughing at a lot easier stuff. I mean, there's comedians in this country who say, like, women like shopping. Oh, my God. And 
this would get you like booed off stage in America because it's been done since the 70s. But over here, still works, right? So um, I think, you know, the point of open mics and the point of, uh, you know, basically people not listening, all of that stuff is to weed out the people uh, who are not going to survive because like a pilot who has to do a bunch of grueling training or a doctor, even though they're going to use those skills, like maybe 1% of the time or in a pilot's case, hopefully never, uh, you know, like, like a majority of a pilot's training is for that, like 0.0001% of them who are going to have like a near miss or whatever. Right. So, uh, you know, you'd be happy that people aren't laughing at your jokes when you're in a bar of seven people versus that happening when you have 500 people in a TV special or whatever. So um, a huge chunk of comedy is that if it was all rosy and fun and games, everybody would be doing it, which is why nobody does. Um, <laughs> so it's the same thing. Like Elon Musk said he thinks he has the worst life ever, even though we all think he's Tony Stark. He said he's not happy, he's miserable, and all that stuff. But we never get it. And the same reason a comedian's Netflix special who's, like, getting a standing ovation, you would not believe it either, but trust me. Um, Self-doubt and insecurity is literally one of the most common parts of the job for a ton of comedians. And um, I think if you, long story short, you accept it, and you accept it, you accept it as part of the job as traffic on the way to work and know that every single person even even the most successful comedian feels like this is gonna feel like this and has felt like this and it makes it a lot easier but just keep going dude if if you really want it because the ones who really want it are the ones who push past that and know it's gonna come again and again um pop 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 okay we talked about that um hi okay how do you moving on to writing on this one all right how do you go about writing he's written writing like r-i-g-h-t but i know it was a typo i know probably spell check on android or whatever how do you go about writing a joke and iterating it to reach perfection hmm. there's a great dude on uh twitter i mean he's a great comedian worldwide one of the most respected in the biz right now gary gullman um has a twitter thread that he's been doing uh, where he basically organizes a bunch of tweets and gives really nice... He's like the Novel, N-A-V-A-L. You guys have heard of that guy on Twitter? He's like a really... He's really good at giving concise nuggets of very practical wisdom, but in like a very like Jarvis sort of a way. And he even has like a bot that's like tweeting his best hits. Um, but there's a guy named Gary Gullman who's super funny. Um, very... Mat- literally great writer and apparently the guy is like six foot nine so um very intimidating as well but i've never met him hope to hope to very soon so um how do you go about writing a joke and iterating it on to reach perfection so number one a joke is never finished okay um some people my style is a lot more casual and, and conversational and i love to kind of improv on the fly that's just what's ended up working for me Uh, my recent video I put out the whole thing about uh, IT jokes again playing to my audience and then uh, I did a thing about you know taking a call from an Indian American in America while I was in India and then at the end of that joke later I have a call back to the same thing that call back I had been doing that joke for like three years okay Um, and that call back that I added which is all people are commenting about in the video was added like a week before I did the recording, just as like a random thing I discovered on stage. So um, 
you'll never know uh, when a joke is finished, but it's also like you might have a popular story that you tell your friends about how you got a job at Google or how you and this person started dating or a funny date story. But the more you tell it, the more you're going to get better at it, the more you're going to be more confident at it. And I think with jokes, some people obsess so much, like they just stare at the joke, like thinking something is going to happen. But my rule of thumb is if you're getting a laugh every 10, 15 seconds on a joke and it's working and you've got like a three to four to five minute chunk of it, if there's more to be had out of it, and there always is, but you're comfortable looking for it, um, cool. But I feel 80-20 rule for the most part. Once you get a joke that's about, you know, once you get like a five minute bit that's working and working well, I think 80% of the joke at that point is going to be done. Now you have an option. Do you retire that joke and put it online or whatever? Or do you kind of keep working on it? Now that's part of your working routine. I would say do that for a year and every few weeks, every few days, um, every show maybe even find tags, find, uh, you know, find callbacks, find ideas on how to make that joke more clever. And um, if the joke has kind of stayed frozen in time for a year or two, go ahead and just release it because whether or not you like it or not, it's finished. And I think Gary Gullman or somebody else said, uh, you know, fin maybe this is more of like a common quote, but, you know, done is better than perfect. And speaking of done, there's my camera again. Yeah, so there we go. Wow, I am so not used to this is like, I feel like this is some like dramatic lighting. I don't know. I, I put like the daylight setting on this camera. So, um, but yeah, that's a long story short. Uh, and I'm going to finish that answer. But um, once you've got your joke between three, five, seven minutes, wherever you think it's working, it's killing, and it's ending on a good applause break, uh, you know, and the story is kind of wrapped up nicely, perform it for a year or two. Hopefully, in that year or two, you add five, 10, 20% to make it like an eight, nine, 10 minute joke. And then let it go. And for a lot of people who are big on YouTube right now and are looking at YouTube um, to basically do a stand-up comedy, just know for the beginners, by the time you get 10 minutes to put on YouTube in front of a big stage and a big crowd and a good recording, um, that's gonna YouTube will probably have different rules by then. So, um, but for now, I think YouTube is favoring seven to 10 minute videos. So yeah, try to get it to be above five minutes. Uh, we're no longer in that world of crazy two minute uh uh, Facebook videos, but Instagram looks pretty good. But long story short, yeah, if you're going to have a good bit or a good story, I think five, six, seven minutes is the sweet spot. And that takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you write a joke? If we open for some, <laughs> dude, you guys, if we open for someone, do we get money? What is the average income a comedian can get? I wrote a blog post about this. Please go check it out online or Google. Uh, how much do comedians earn or how much do comedians earn Sanjay, if that is how you find it. I don't know if it's like popular on Google or not, but I know a lot of people did read it um, and not comment, you shady bastards, but I know a lot of you read it. So um, look at that blog post. And again, I don't give a crap about you asking about money because chances are you probably suck by now. And if you were any good, you would have already been making some money. Okay, so I think there's a kid, I've not been watching Comic Stand, but I know Akash, he's been coming to, the open mics forever. God bless him. I think, you know, super young kid and hardworking, man. Hindi is not my jam. I don't understand a word of what his material or a lot of the others are. I can get bits and pieces, but he's hit a nerve and no one has asked this question yet, but you are performing for the audience, not other comedians. Most people um, 
granted your your material is original and not stolen and not hacky um but most people try to impress other comics and very few try to impress the audience and connect with the audience and if you get a shot like a big plot i mean this kid has more views I was just looking yesterday. I was hanging out with Praveen and the other comedians. This kid has more views than like all the judges of Comics 10 combined now. Like that's how fast the country is moving with comedy, right? I've been doing comedy for nine years. Some of my videos have a million. Some have two million. Some have like 100,000. But anybody who has been preparing for their shot can easily pick up 500,000 subscribers or 10 million views or whatever in like one go. So it's a gold rush right now, folks, but you got to get out there and do the work and mine for gold. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to answer your question. Read the article. I made I made some explanations there. Uh, pop, pop, pop. Okay. If I left USA for India to do stand-up for a living, would that... Be, I know who asked this, my buddy. I, I know who you are. If I left USA... So you're in America for India to do stand-up for a living, and he's an Indian resident. Um, would that be a good risk to take? Um, I feel like if Kumail Nanjiani or that uh, Big Bang Theory guy, Kunal, whatever, like if those guys did not have massive Hollywood backing and if they had not made it in Hollywood um, and then they moved here to, to Bollywood and I think a bunch of NRIs do this every year, but we never hear about them because it doesn't work. Um, so I know this guy, he is not, he's an actual, he's Indian Indian. He's not Indian American like me. But if I had to move today, I'd probably move right back because nobody here wants to hear me talk about Trump or to hear somebody talk about the U.S. H-1 visa process or politics, Chris Christie or whoever, or Obama that much. Um, the reason Indian comedy is booming is because, you know, Russell Peters opened us up on the Indian accent, which, you know, kind of opened the first door into the Indian world of comedy. We're like, ah, we do talk like that. Um, but now it's like our TV shows, our actors, our politics, our families, our life, our dating, our romance, our ironies, our hypocrisy is whatever. Right. So um, I think I mean, if you're from here and you want to talk about all the stuff here, for sure, you can do it. And this guy specifically, I know, but if you don't have contacts or you don't have a bit of a digital footprint, um, you know, it's going to be a lot harder, but you can do it for sure. Because like I said, you can open up your own room. You can, uh, you know, you can make your own way. I mean, look at Atul Katri. This guy started, granted, when it was easier to start, but he's still working harder than any 22-year-old. He's, like, doing Facebook Lives and doing any show he can, and he's, uh, you know, um, he's more active on Instagram than 22-year-olds. Maybe he schedules it. Maybe he has a social media person, but, I mean, the guy is hustling, dude. So, and it's paying off for him. And I'm this is just way too dark. I got to change this. Hang on, you guys. Okay, somebody asked me to answer a, a, a relationship question. So I'll answer it very quickly. How does commitment and love both ways work? Um, hmm. This is not really stand up, but the quick answer is as cliche as it sounds. If you're into it and you really want to do it, it'll work very easily. If you're not, and you feel like it's a burden or an obligation, you pretty much have your answer, dude. So I know it's cliche, um, but I've been there and I get it. So, uh, you know, I can answer that on another podcast, but Okay. Hey, Sanjay, I am an open micer from Munich, 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 even the freaking word Munich, city name Munich, Munich has a had a couple of questions about being a hack. Oh, OK. We're not talking hackers over here. We're talking hack. Who or what is hacky? How to be original 
in the initial years. Um, if a joke is too easy, if it came to you too easily, it's probably hack. Um, if it's something we all heard before, it's probably hack. Like, uh, you know, happy life, ha happy wife, happy life, right, beta? Huh? You know, um, we've all done hack jokes. I have a video online that I'm not taking down yet because it's still uh, gotten some views. <laughs> but where, and again, I was not that uh, experienced in the comedy when I was doing it. Uh, about Indian moms and how my mom always asked me uh, what I wanted to eat as opposed to what I, whatever my issues were. Um, and that joke used to do very well. Obviously, I did like I did that joke with one or two punchlines and then just like let it go online. Then, you know, people are doing jokes all about Indian mothers and the type of subjis they make and how they are when they travel and yada yada. So um, we've all done hack stuff. I've done uh, Air India jokes. I still open at a corporate show with one hack joke because I don't know anything else that's going to get a bunch of uncles who don't know me to laugh. Um, I mean, there's a difference between a hack and stolen. So, I mean, you can have a hack joke about, you know, fighting with your wife or your girlfriend that may not be so uh, clever or original, um, but it at least, you know, it's kind of like you're kind of seeing how far you can go with the audience. So um, if, if there's a joke you know is too easy and you know you're getting away with it, aside from just trying to warm up the crowd, like if your closing joke is a hack joke, if your closing joke is Tushar Kapoor is a bad actor or your closing joke is women like shopping or Air India has big aunties who are stewardesses, which they don't anymore. By the way, I was on a flight and I was like, are you lost? Like, you know, so um, if that's kind of where you are, then I think you'll know. So um, hack stuff is pretty much things that, uh, you know, like anybody can do that joke. You know what I mean? Um, anybody can basically say that Anil Kapoor has hairy chest hair or, uh, you know, like what's hacky in, uh, like, like in America, like hacky club comedy is like, uh, you know, your wife has a headache because she's not in the mood or whatever. And so, or Thailand, oh, you went to Thailand, huh? Okay. Happy ending, huh? Like all that stuff is done to death. Anybody could think of that stuff. So, um, now, there is a place for hackiness. Again, if you find yourself in a horrible show somehow because you needed the money and it's like an apartment community and all they're going to laugh at are, is that lame Uncle Auntie humor, as long as it's original and not stolen, just get out of there and get your check for the time being, right? Um, on the other side, uh, hack, hack, hack. This is a tough one. Because, oh, yeah. How to be original in the initial year. So here. Oh, yeah. That's what I was getting to. Now, a lot of comedians, they try so hard not to be hack or try so hard. I used to do this for years where I would do a corporate show and they're paying decent money and I would not want to do a joke I did when I was just starting out, even though I knew that joke is going to win this crowd over and they're going to get them to listen to me to now talk about my weird act out about cloud computing or my weird thing about Indigo Airline flights or whatever. But I need to get them on the like, as you can tell, my accent is outsourced, ha ha ha, like whatever, right? So um, you can you can flip hack stuff on its head, you know what I mean? So I used to open with, as you can tell from my accent, I'm a, and you would just think American, ha ha, but goes, I'm a chute, and like the crowd would laugh. I'm laughing about my own lame opener. Um, but you can flip the crowd's expectations with hackiness, which is a good way to kind of cheat it and get away with it. 
Um, but you will know, bro. Uh, you will know deep down if something is hacky. And what what's so funny is when comedians like try to call out others, like, bro, that uh, that thing you said about uh, Air India having auntie stewardesses, like that was mine. Like, no, it wasn't, dude. You know, um, I used to be so annoyed at Sandeep, uh, like. In 2011, I would do a joke about how in America, the word roadie is a bad word. Like, it's not a good word. It means you, like, sleep around with the band or whatever. And we have a show called Roadies Here. Uh, and then everyone started talking about roadies, and I got, like, really upset. I was like, I freaking opened up the, the conversation about that. And I was the first one to talk about maids or whatever. So um, you just have to let it go. But number one, do not. Uh, if it's too easy, you know. So you'll, 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 you will honestly just know. Um, Bangalore airport is too far from the city. Everybody has a joke about that. That's hacky in Bangalore now, yet people still open up with it and it's still a thing. But I don't think anybody... Okay, here's a good way to do it. If tomorrow, if today there's a video about how Bangalore airport is far from the city and 100 comedians are still doing that joke tomorrow and no audience member is like, I saw it on that one video or this is so-and-so's joke, it's hacky, okay? Um, pop, 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 let's see. Uh, how to be original in the early years. Yes. So again, um, play to the audience, but earn the respect of the back of the room. You know what I mean? So I've never seen a comedian destroy for the audience. And then, and then another comedian say, well, yeah, but you could have done that joke better. No, as long as it's original and clever, uh, you know, you'll have the respect of the comedians. Most comedians will only think uh, you are hacky or unoriginal if if they can very easily pinpoint that that's a Chappelle or a Bill Burr or Bill Hicks joke. Um, but for the most part, you you like tactically, the first or second punchline that comes to your head, unless it came to you in like a random moment of inspiration in the middle of the night, uh, you probably want to throw away. So that that's kind of where I would go with, but you do have those moments of inspiration where, you know, it's not hacky because there's no way you would have thought of this with like a pen and a paper, but it just happened to you. And you're like, I got to write this down. Um, let's see. Is it better to go to a bigger city for more stage time? Not necessarily. Um, if you look at Bangalore, every comedian in this country loves Bangalore because the audiences speak English, Hindi, Kannada, whatever the audience I would argue are a bit more comedy savvy here. Um, I don't have the data, but I would bet if you see how many uh, Bill Burr fans or Chris Rock fans or Chris D'Elia fans are in the country, a larger chunk would probably be from Bangalore or the South because I just feel like, you know, there's going to be a lot more people who watch English content that way. Um, so I think in a smaller city, you can take the benefits of that small. I don't mean small like Trichy or like Kanchipuram or somewhere outside I, I mean small like not delhi in mumbai so a uh, bangalore is probably number three on that list but if you're in hyderabad or chennai or um you know like, like mumbai and delhi get the uh the big sort of status but i think comedy just by looking at how many comedians come here to record their specials and do their specials and do their 10 20 minute draw runs um i feel like stage time is abundant in a smaller city audiences are hungry for it like there's a big thriving Gujarati comedy scene which again is now going to be all Gujarati because that's the area but if you can find a space for yourself or run your own night or do a a comedy night in Delhi that's only Punjabi or, or only expats or 
only hell, even Tamil comedy in Delhi, like whatever your space is, you can make it your own and you can really get as much space stage time as you want because it's not about the city. It's about getting 50 people consistently to watch you test out your joke. It's about getting 10 people consistently to watch you test out your jokes. Um, any book recommendations on joke writing? Yes, my favorite book of all time is not very popular, but I did write a review this morning after seeing your question called uh, Oliver Double Getting the Joke. There's a lot of other books like Judy Carter. I'll try to link to them in the description. But basically, uh, Oliver Double is a book I found uh, in a bookstore in Bangalore. There you go. Uh, on commercial street it's like 100 rupees i just bought the book on a whim and it's so dense like size two font for like 400 pages uh but i just literally sucked that book up like a bible every word i was hanging on to because he just wrote it so well for somebody who's like just marrying themselves to the comedy world so i really really urge you guys to look at that book i don't know if they sell it in india i'll try to find a link and put it in the in the description or maybe buy it from america if anyone's watching this in america but that's a great great book I, it's so underrated nobody ever bought it but i, I just loved it um pop, 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 pop. um how can one try to maximize personal growth out of getting on stage once or twice a week um who was it on my Dwayne Perkins, who's been on my podcast many times. No, sorry, not many times once, but we've made two videos out of it. He's been on Conan many times. I just compared my podcast to Conan. Look at that. Uh, he's been on Conan like seven times. He was on Colbert or uh, James Corden, I think last week or last month. Um, he said, basically most comedians are so dumb in the sense. He didn't say they're dumb. I added that, but he said uh, that, you need to record the audio or video of your set and watch it on the drive home and watch it the next day on the drive to your next open mic. If you can do that, you've actually performed five times that week as opposed to two because a lot of comedians do the exact same six, seven minutes the next day rather than doing the homework. And I mean seven minutes in your Uber to avoid you from looking at Instagram or whatever. Seven minutes, dude. You can't watch your shit. If you can't watch your shit twice, how is Netflix going to? Or how is like anybody else going to? But most comedians don't. And you need to because if you do that, you will grow a lot faster. So I think that's how you can maximize your personal growth. Everyone records their set just in case they have a killer joke and they want to play it back later to see what they did. But nobody records their set just to watch it again as part of the routine. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you'll be miles ahead. Any tools for documentation? I use Google Keep. What's your favorite? Um, I use Evernote, actually. And there goes my memory card. So <laughs> speaking of keep, I should not keep that storage. Uh, that's why I'm doing this podcast and I'm not on stage today with lame jokes like that. But I use Evernote. Um, I tried Google Keep. I could not get into it. Um, I used to, I literally just would just use the Mac uh, text edit or notepad tool. I don't know. Evernote just seems to work for me. Not that it's great, but it's just the only thing out there that, you know, is easily searchable. And it's quick because most of us don't want to open up Google Drive, type in a note. We get lazy. Um, but I use Evernote and I keep a pen and a paper next to the bed, which I scribble on once in a while. And now I use a blue light filter on my cell phone and I'm holding up my phone for getting the camera is dead. All right. Um, why do people get offended so much in India? We're almost done, folks. Don't worry. This is the second to the last question. Why do people get offended so much in India? Because we like to virtue signal in India and, you know, we will have, people will have affairs and people will 
tell their maids, you know, to give them one rupee change back because they should learn. But then they also cheat their employer out of a business class ticket and do a bunch of shit because for them, those standards are different. So there's nothing more Indian folks than uh, double standards. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so people get offended, not because what you're I mean, there are some shitty comics who just do a lame rape joke or a lame sex joke just to, out of shock humor. And most of the time, those comedians don't even get into trouble because, number one, they're not funny. So nobody even cared for the joke or heard it. But number two, people would just stop listening and start talking. And then the comedian anyways realizes that stuff's not going to work. Um but people just love to harp on to anything. And a lot of outrage is manufactured. So, you know, every time Kangana says something, it just happens to be around the time her movie is coming out. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So um, I think, I mean, I've never met anybody in my life of doing comedy in India for close to 10 years who has been offended at a joke that they like walked to like a public office or a police officer or I mean, what does it even mean, you know? So, hell, I've, I've never even been to a show except maybe once I saw somebody walk out of a gig because they had to go, but I've never heard... Dude, I, I've probably been to more shows in this country than 99% of the comedians, and, and I mean open mics, big shows, whatever, and I've never seen anybody actually, like, physically walk out and say, I'm offended, I'm leaving. So they've gotten bored, they've not enjoyed it, you know? They're like, yeah, too much sex humor, not for me, but offended... It's, it's a very digital thing, but I think, yes, we love to make arguments and feel important with our comments, so that's that. Um, I would not worry about it, though, because you can ask the majority of comics in your circle. Very few of them uh, would have. There are one or two stories I've heard of, you know, people cursing and yelling and stuff, but it is what it is. So um, can you make a living as a stand-up comedian if you're not famous enough to have millions of views on YouTube or a stand-up special on one of the streaming sites? Last question. Um, for sure, dude. Uh, I don't have, I mean, I have a decent amount of millions. I'm crossing 30 million across Facebook and YouTube. Um, but here's the thing, man, a million views is not what it used to be anymore. It's good for your resume. Um, but these platforms don't really care as much about it. You know, like if you look at Amit Tundin, for example, uh, he has a good amount of Facebook views, um, but he's selling more, but he doesn't have as many Twitter followers or he doesn't have as many Instagram followers. So again, it's about finding your audience. If you can be massive on Snapchat, but have like zero fans on YouTube, but you could still sell because the 50,000 fans you do have are like diehard fans. So, um, Number one, I, w- I know comedians who have Amazon specials and even a Netflix special who are not making any money and are really hurting right now, like so much they can't even afford rent, imagine. So um, now, can you make a living? For sure. But will you need to be creative about how you make that living? Yes. You may not make millions of dollars uh, just from stand-up, but you may make a lot of money helping people uh, with writing a commercial or editing their podcast or editing their videos or producing somebody's stand-up special or organizing shows right now. so many, Here's a million-dollar idea for anybody. Feel free to use it. It's so easy to sell tickets for Indian comedy right now in America if you know what you're doing um, because people, NRIs, are hungry for this sort of content, okay? So... If you do have your 10, 20 million recently, I don't mean in the last five years, I mean in the last like six months, who's that kid? Bussy, Bussy, that cheating video, right? Never heard of the guy, but great for him. Awesome, man. Like really good. Again, I don't speak Hindi, but from 
what I did see in the video, like, whoa, this guy is killing it. Awesome. Now, I'm sure if he went to the U.S. next week, whoever that producer is is going to make like 30 grand for himself easily because those tickets are going to sell themselves, right? Because So no production, no radio, no TV needed. So um, you can make a living as a stand-up, but I wouldn't count on it anytime soon, like I said before. Um, and second thing, the whole myth here about a lot of YouTube views or a lot of Facebook fans or a lot of uh, Instagram followers. Sorry, social media influencing is big right now. So if you like, if you get a video that does 5 million views on your standup and you get that consistently, I think, uh, you know, three, four videos in a row, I think you've bought yourself one or two years of full-time salary, put it that way. But if you're not reinvesting that back into doing shows and auditoriums or going on tour or um, doing more open mics so you can have another video with fresher jokes, you know, um, that money is going to dry up very quickly. So, um, and great, uh, now the construction is starting. So that is pretty much, I mean, I could talk about that a lot more, but that's it for volume one, you guys, of how to do stand-up comedy here on the Bray Num Num podcast. And uh, questions, comments, let me know. I will get to you guys another time. But I do appreciate all your questions. If I missed out on some, I apologize. So, yeah, hope that helped. And uh, let me know. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 B